Well, one young couple, you know, they were all in love and everything, and they decided that they were going to get married in church. And the, the bride, though, was really nervous about the whole event, you know, big occasion. And uh, the pastor chose a verse that he felt like would be an encouragement to them. It was 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18, which says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love dries out fear. Well, the pastor asked the best man if he would read it during the ceremony. And uh, the pastor didn't realize that the best man wasn't familiar with the Bible. He probably didn't go to church on Wednesday night. You know what I mean? <laughs> but so when he gets up to, to read the passage, well, he didn't realize that there was a difference between the first John, the letter John, of John and the gospel of John. And so he read from the Gospel of John 4.18 that says, You've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. <laughs> so that didn't go well. <laughs> and for those of you that are thinking, Well, I didn't know there was a difference. Well, you're in the right place. So see, now you do. Proverbs 15.23, A man has joy by the answer of his mouth. And a word spoken in due season, how good it is. A word spoken in due season, how good it is. The NIV says it this way. How good is a timely word? So tonight I want to talk to you about a timely word. You know what? All of us have had those times when something somebody said just helped us along our way. I mean, if you've been in church very long, you've been a Christian very long, sooner or later, I mean, it might be a family member, might be a pastor, might be a friend, a brother in the Lord, or a co-worker at work. Somebody said something that just kind of gave you a little extra boost and helped you along the way. You know, as a pastor, sometimes when I'm feeling a little down, somebody will say, Pastor, we appreciate you. You're doing a good job. When I'm struggling with my preaching, somebody will say, Oh, your sermons are always so good. I see some of you, you're not, you're thinking, really? Yeah, sometimes people say these things to me, and not just my wife either. Listen, at one point, I left pastoring a church, and um, I, I've told this a little bit before, but I was just kind of burnt out and uh, started to attend, our family, we started attending another church, and during a time of worship, the, the Lord just softened my heart and was really dealing with me. And in that moment, the pastor's wife uh, came back to where I was and she paraphrased uh, some verses from Joel chapter 2 and spoke this to me. She, she said, so I'll restore to you the years that locusts have eaten. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be put to shame. And it was just like the Holy Spirit was speaking those words to me. And it brought such healing and restoration to me. It was just exactly what I needed in that moment. Now, here's the strange thing. You see, if she would have come up to me at some other random time in my life and spoken those words to me, it wouldn't have meant anything to me. It was a timely word. It was a word in due season. And man, was it good. It was exactly what I needed. You know, there's a time and a place for a 
timely word, a word in due season. It's not just for any day. It's a specific time and situation. Now, here's something to think about. What if I hadn't been in church that day? Now, I know God's a big God. He can do anything. I mean, he can have somebody give you a word at the gas station, and those kinds of things happen. But I'm just telling you, a lot of the time, I think we miss what God has for us because we're not where we should be when we ought to be. And, you know, and that also works the other way that if we are going to be used of God to have a timely word for somebody, we need to realize that there's a specific time for that, a right place and a right time. It's not just, oh, well, I read this in my Bible. It was good, so I'm going to, you know, I read this in my devotional, so I want to share it. Well, you know what? Maybe it was just for you. But God does give us a word in due season for people, and we need to be ready for that. We need to be used of the Lord that way. Proverbs 25 and 11 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of of silver a word fitly spoken see just the right time makes all the difference about eight months before I came back to grace as pastor this would have been in 2003 I was at youth camp with my youth group and the person that started that camp and led that camp for many many years is Tommy Birchfield and he would hold these leaders' meetings, and uh, we went to the leaders' meeting one day, and it, well, we came out, and we thought we had been in there about 45 minutes. You remember that? It was three hours. Now, I've also been in some 45-minute meetings that seem like three hours, <laughs> Right? But for real, we thought it was like 45 minutes. We came out of that meeting and it had been three hours. We were just like, wow. The Holy Spirit was just really moving and working in that service. And um, he spoke to me though. He said, the Lord is giving you a new anointing to do something new. And it, it wasn't like a shock in the sense that I had no idea what he was talking about. I knew exactly what he was talking about. It was just confirmation of what God had already set in motion. But it was still a timely word. That was, that was a word that would encourage me and strengthen me. Not only that, you know, God knew, knew what he was doing and had somebody confirm it, but that he would anoint me to do it. And so I just, you know, I just want you to realize, you see, all of us need those things time, from time to time. And we can be used of the Lord in that way. If we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, it can make such a difference in somebody else's life. I want you to understand now, a timely word is not always this, you know, thus saith the Lord. But sometimes it's just the Lord puts something in your heart just to bless somebody, just to a word of encouragement for them, just to help them along the way at just the right time. But there's a time, and I want to get this in here because I think this is really important. There are times when we just need to not say anything. Proverbs 10, 19, there's a 
verse of scripture. It doesn't get preached a whole lot. But in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. Now what this proverb, you know, we're talking about wisdom right now on Sundays. But this is a verse of scripture that is so on the nose. I mean, it this, well, it just says when there's a lot of words, there's going to be some sin there somewhere. And so if we're careful about what we say, we're being wise. In fact, James chapter 1 and verse 19 says that we're supposed to be slow to speak. Now, a lot of the time we, in our culture, we just blurt it out. In fact, some people brag about that. They say, I just speak my mind. Well, gee whiz, if that all is going through your mind, you're a mess. But... You know, sometimes we got to just kind of put the brakes on, be slow to speak. There's lots of words, sin's not absent. And so what I'm saying to you that if we're going to speak a timely word, a word in due season, you know what? There's times we just need to be quiet. Even quoting scripture, if it's the wrong time and place, it's not going to help anybody. I knew a lady one time that she, I guess, had the pretense of being a real spiritual person, but just in normal conversation, she would just all of the sudden quote random scriptures that had nothing to do with the conversation. I mean, you could be talking about how it was a sunny day today, and she, she would be quoting 1 John 4.18, love cast out fear. I mean, just random, weird, and that's all it was, was weird. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just making the point to you that even using the Scripture, we got to be in the right time, in the right place, talking to the right person, or it's not going to help anybody. There's a place and a time for a timely word. There's times when, as a pastor, I feel like I, I just have to say something. You know, pastors are supposed to be outgoing and talkative. And most of you know by now that I'm actually shy and introverted. It's not my nature to talk a lot. It's really not. But I feel like sometimes, you know, I'm expected to always have something to say. And uh, I'd sometimes rather just be quiet. But here's the thing. I've also learned that sometimes it's better just to be quiet. A grieving family doesn't always need somebody to quote a scripture. Sometimes they just need somebody to be there and to care. But a timely word, how good is a timely word? How good? See, it's a good word. Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. A good word cheers people up. A good word, that's just bringing some good news to some people, just having something good to say, to bless them, to encourage them. But here's, you know, it cheers them up, makes makes them glad. Well, that means that when you leave, they're glad that you were there. (laughs) They're glad that you had something to say. I think there's a lot of self-appointed prophets in the body of Christ today that think it's their job to go around and, you know, straighten people out. And people, when they leave, people are glad they left. You know what I'm saying? And I just want you to know that's not a timely word. A timely word is a good word. 
A good word makes it glad. Anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Now, I have to tell you, I have to work on this part because if we can't find something good to say, we need to keep our mouths shut. And I'm kind of a melancholy personality, and I can always find whatever's wrong. I mean, if you see something wrong with our building, you know, like there's a spot over here that needs to be painted and this isn't right, you don't need to tell me. I've already seen it. I mean, when you wear your glittery dress in the auditorium, I immediately see the little sparkles as I'm walking down the aisle to go out to the foyer. I just see everything like that. And I notice all the negatives. And, you know, if you're going to do something, you got vision to do something, I can tell you all the problems and obstacles and everything. Not too loud, dear. She knows. And so I have to work at being positive. And just, see, here's the thing. You see, life's not all roses. There is problems, all kinds of stuff. But guess what? People need to hear encouraging words. They need to hear things that build up faith. Even if they're in a terrible situation, they don't need you to point out how bad it is. No, they need for you to say, with God, all things are possible. See, they need a good word, something that will lift their spirit, something that will encourage them. Good news. Amen. Proverbs 16, 24, pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Pleasant words. Pleasant words. Just saying pleasant things. There's a lot of unpleasant people in our world and they spew unpleasant things on other people. So I want you to think about this. Having a timely word, it's pleasant words, like a honeycomb. And their sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Now, I really believe that the scripture says these things, it's not all just kind of some figuratively, figurative thing. It's actually giving us truth here that pleasant words can really minister to somebody's soul and it can even bring health to their body. A lot of unpleasant people, don't be one of them. Sweetness to the soul, health to the bones. One day I was kind of down back when I was pastoring a small church in Oklahoma and um, just wasn't feeling very successful. I told my mom that over the phone. I said, you know, I just don't feel very successful. The church wasn't growing and things weren't happening the way that I thought they should. And uh, she wrote me a card And in the card she hand wrote in there, you are very successful. Just look at your wife and your kids. And, you know, it really ministered to me because I was very blessed in that way. And it helped me refocus on the things that are really important. 
And, you know, through the years, the Lord used, still does, my wife and kids to double and triple whatever ministry I had. It's amazing how God used the very thing that I had all along. But I'm just saying, you see, it was pleasant words. It was a word of encouragement that helped me through that particular time. We need to realize what a difference we can make for somebody. We all need encouragement. Hebrews 3.13 in the NIV says, Encourage one another daily as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Now, it says that we're supposed to encourage one another how often? Daily. 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 That's right. Daily. Have you been encouraging other people daily? We're supposed to. I don't know that all encouragement could necessarily be classified as a timely word, but I'm just telling you, we need a whole lot more of this encouragement stuff happening in the body of Christ. And a lot of times, us preachers and teachers, we focus on just that part, and it is really good, but I want you to see the rest of it, though, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. It happens to a whole, whole lot of people. You've known somebody that used to be on fire for God. They used to love to come to worship. God was really first in their life. They were involved in the work of the ministry. And now, nope. You know what happened? They got hardened through sin's deceitfulness. And what's the preventative? Encourage one another daily. Oh, if we just do this. You see, every church has a bit of a revolving door. And what I mean by that is, as some have it worse than others, but there's people coming in and there's people going out. You see, this church is that way a lot. We have a lot of people coming in. And I thank God for all our new people. But we also have people leaving a lot. Now, sometimes it's because they move on to a different location, you know. They move, and so they find a new church. Sometimes it's because they just felt like that they fit at at another church local better. But most of the time, they got discouraged, and they got out of church. And I'll tell you, this is something that all of us can do, is encourage one another. And when you see somebody that's not doing well, you know what they need? Encouragement. That's the answer. Sometimes people just get worn down, worn out, even ministers. The average tenure for a pastor is four years at a church. Now, there are pastors, like our former pastor, pastored this church for 50 years. Now, that's wonderful. But what does that tell you about the average? That there are a lot that don't even make it four years. Why is that? I want to tell you, they got weary in doing well. They got discouraged they just decided that it wasn't worth it or that, you know, they just didn't want to continue on trying. I'm just telling you, even ministers, even full-time ministers need encouragement all the time. And so does everybody else. 
You know, we have children's workers that just work endless hours serving and they love the kids and they serve the parents and the church in that regard. And, oh, we need to encourage them all the time. See, so many in our church that serve in different areas. Our growth group leaders, it, it is a, a huge responsibility and undertaking for them to do a group and to have people in their home every, every week or every other week. And they need encouragement. See, they get discouraged. They can get burnt out. They can get weary in doing well. They need encouragement. They need to know that they're really making a difference. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. In due season, there's going to be a harvest in due season. But so many people get weary before the harvest comes in. They give up and there's no harvest. You reap a harvest if you don't give up. In due season, he says, they're going to reap. What do you need to keep going when you're weary? What do those other people need to keep going when they're weary? To get to that due season. They need a word in due season. You see, right now, they need a word while they're weary to help them get to that due season when the harvest finally comes in. Proverbs 15, 23, a word spoken in due season, how good it is. That's what they need is a timely word. See, if we just had a word of encouragement to those that are weary. Isaiah 50 and 4, the prophet says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak. A word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me by morning, morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. Who do you know that's weary? I mean, for a lot of us, you may not have to look outside the four walls of your own house. But almost all of us know somebody that's struggling, somebody that's tired, somebody that's weary, been through a lot of battles. And maybe the Lord will give you a timely word for them to help them keep going till their harvest comes in. It's a good word. Amen. Timely word is a good word. That means it's not bad. I know this is two plus two, but I'm just, I just got to make this real clear. A good word is not a bad word. Amen. See, we need to make a decision not to say anything except the things that are going to build others up. Even when there's a, a difficult situation, we say things that bring faith and encouragement. We help them look on the bright side. Amen. We give them hope. Right. Amen. So often, I think believers just get caught up in the same kind of negative junk, saying the same kinds of negative things. They're just regurgitating the same kind of garbage that people are saying in the world. Well, we need to be positive. We need to speak words of faith. We need to be building up. Ephesians 4.29 in the NIV says it this way. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up 
according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. See, if we're not building others up, we're not helping. You know, he, he says, don't let anything unwholesome come out of your mouth. Well, you know, that's, a, that's one level, that's one bar. But he takes it to a much higher level, a much higher bar when he says, but only what is helpful for building others up. What if we didn't say anything except what was going to help build people up, encourage people? according to their needs that it may minister, benefit those who listen. A word in due season, a timely word. I tell you, it can help somebody through a time of trial and testing. I think about Jesus telling Peter, he knows that Peter is going to betray him, deny him rather, excuse me, deny him. He knows Peter's going to deny him three times. And he tells Peter, he says, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith won't fail. That was a word in due season. That was a timely word that Peter was going to need because of the great battle, the great fall, the great battle, though, that he was about to face. Yes, Satan was after him, but Jesus prayed for him that his faith would not fail. I remember one time, um, I don't get to tell these stories very often because I don't have hardly any. The shoe's usually on the other foot. But anyway, um, one time, Carmen was really angry. And um, it's super rare. She almost never gets really angry. I mean, most of the time, nobody else can even tell if she's angry because it's just this little tiny glint in her eye. I've become perceptive to these things after 40 years. But seriously, I remember because it was so rare, and uh, somebody had just been really, really hateful and mean, and she was having a real hard time forgiving them. And the Lord just gave me a word for her, so I wrote it down, and it went something like this. You are gracious and kind, tender-hearted and forgiving. You forbear and are long-suffering. You restore and heal because the Holy Spirit is in you. Now, that was just what she needed to get past that. I didn't tell her, well, you're being unchristian. You know, you need to repent of this unforgiveness right now. You're sinning just as bad as what they did. Now, in a sense, every word of that would have been true but it would have been tearing down and it wouldn't have helped. You see, instead, I built her up. The things that I said about her were also true, but I was building her up and encouraging her. And you know what? She became in that situation who she really was. Kind, forgiving, gracious. I'm just telling you, we need to build people up, not tear them down. So, How can we have a good word? 
Matthew 12, 33 through 35, Jesus says either make the tree good and its fruit good or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad for a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers. That doesn't sound like a good word. But you need to remember the only time that Jesus ever talked that way was to those religious hypocrites. He says, how can you being evil speak good things? He tells them that they can't speak good things because of the evil in their heart. And we need to pay attention to this. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You want to be able to have a good word? You want to have a timely word for people? It's got to come from the heart. You got to take care of your heart. You got to guard your heart. You can't have a bunch of junk in your heart. If you're allowing all kinds of junk to get down in your heart, it's going to be hard for you to have a good word coming out of your mouth, according to Jesus. Now, I will say it's out of the abundance of the heart. But if you want to have a lot of good words coming out of your mouth, then you need to have good in your heart. Verse 35, he says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. See, the Pharisees just couldn't say anything good. They had too much evil in their heart. They were always critical, always negative, always faithless. They criticized Jesus when he healed people. That's really weird. Now, today... In our generation, I have seen a lot of weird stuff. And there are some who hold big healing crusades, and some of these dudes are really weird. I mean, I want to say whacked out, but maybe that's too far. They're just weird. But here's what I'm going to say about that. I am not going to set myself against them. If people are getting healed in their meetings, praise God. That's just proof to me God could use anybody. Man, does that make me feel good? You know what I'm saying? I am not going to criticize and attack those people. Now, I'm not going to give you any names. I do think some of them are super weird, and I don't know how, you know, I'm like, gee whizzes. Really? Some of the stuff they do? I'm not going to stand against them. I'm not going to oppose them. In fact, you know, it was just the other day. Somebody was talking about uh, some minister or somebody in this thing, and I was like, oh, my goodness. And then they were talking about how much it blessed them and helped them. I just had to take a step back, and I thought, you know what? I'm not saying anything negative about that. I'm not going to undermine or rob what this person got blessed and how they were ministered to. That's not my place. I'm not going to be like a Pharisee criticizing somebody that's doing something good. The Pharisees accused Jesus of blasphemy when he forgave people. When he cast out devils, they said he did it by the prince of devils. I want to tell you, some religious people, they're just like that today. They find fault with everybody, and especially anybody that's doing something. It's hard to find fault with somebody that's not doing anything, you know. And when some pastor or minister that's, you know, off out in Timbuktu and 
they got four people and, and I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying though, nobody bothers to take the time to criticize them. But somebody's that's reaching a whole lot of people, it's amazing how people will set up whole websites against those people. It's crazy. And who does it? Other Christians, religious people. They forgot which team they're on. So I may lose some of you. Here we go. So many religious people. Just love me anyway. Be quiet right now. They say negative things about Joel Osteen. They say, oh, he's shallow. He's spineless. He don't preach the whole Bible. There are tons of preachers preaching blatantly false doctrine. But you know, I got an answer for that. You preach the truth. You know what? I could just wear myself out and not do anybody any good if all I did was say, now that's a false doctrine. Let me show you how. We'll go to the Greek and the Hebrew here. We're going to spend 45 minutes hashing this out so I can prove that he's doing wrong. Baloney. I'm going to minister the truth to people. Truth is what sets people free. Truth is what cures deception and false teaching. So I'm going to focus on that. But I am not going to stand against somebody, and especially not somebody like Joel Osteen that's reaching a whole lot of people that nobody else is reaching. And that don't mean I agree with everything that Joel Osteen preaches or does, but I'm not going to attack him. Listen to this. I'm not going to attack him to his face, and I sure... I'm not going to be a hypocrite coward and attack him behind his back. I'm going to make somebody mad before I'm done. Thank you, brother. I needed that. I want to tell you something else, though. I do like it that he preaches faith. There's a ton of doubt preachers. I mean, you can't throw a rock without hitting the church where doubt's preached. I like it that he preaches faith. Jesus was a faith preacher. So that's a good thing. I like it that he smiles and he has the joy of the Lord. It's amazing to me that everybody wants to attack this guy. But, you know, I get it. He's not your, your cup of tea or whatever, but... Good grief. You want to oppose somebody, there's lots of people you can oppose. I'm not preaching about Joel Osteen. It sure does make a great example, though. I'm just not going to set myself against other ministers or even other believers that are serving the Lord and trying to do something for God, even if I disagree with them, even if they don't get it all right. By the way, I also like it that Joel Osteen tries to get people to accept the Lord and then he says, you need to find a good church and get in a good church. I like that. Because it, it's too many of these people that get people to pray a prayer and they just leave them out there. He's telling them straight up, you need to get in a good Bible-believing church. Okay. Here's the thing. It's not my place to judge. 
And if I was going to judge, if I was going to call people out for their false doctrine, I don't have to go after a guy in Houston. We got a boatload of them right here in Burleson teaching all kinds of baloney. I'm not going to do that. In fact, I'm going to count them as my brother in the Lord. I'm going to love my brothers. I'm for them. And maybe God will give me the opportunity to help them sometime. But I'm not going to stand against them and oppose them. The Apostle Paul said he was glad the gospel was preached even if it was out of pretense. Romans 4.14, excuse me, 14.4. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand for God is able to make him stand. So don't get caught up in all that negative judgmental talk. If we're going to have a timely word for other people... You see, we got to have good stored up in our heart, not a bunch of negative stuff, not all this criticism of other people and all that. No, you need to fill your heart with good things that are going to minister to other people. A good man brings forth good out of the good stored up in his heart. Now, stay with me here for just a second. He did not say a good man brings forth good out of the word stored up in his heart. I'm going to say very clearly, 2 Timothy 3.16, All scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. But I also want to tell you, the Pharisees knew whole books of the Old Testament. They could quote whole books of the Old Testament. And yet they were full of evil. There's a lot of religious people today that can quote the scripture, but their heart is full of garbage. I was in a board meeting one time when there was a board member that wanted a certain minister on staff to be fired. That's what the meeting was about. And somebody quoted a scripture at some point. Don't remember what it was. But that set this guy off. He got all red in the face and he raised his voice and he gnashed his teeth and he got his Bible and he said, I could cut you up with the word of God. This book is to heal and to restore and to help. Jesus said these words, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. They're not carnal. We should never ever use them with a carnal attitude. No, we use the word of God from a good heart. And that's how we, so often we have a timely word because yes, we've stored the word of God in our heart, but we've got good in our heart. We're not allowing junk in our heart. And so when, when we're given the opportunity, we've got something to help somebody else, to build somebody else up. It is a book of life. These are the words of life. So, a timely word, how good it is. How do we know what to say and when and where? I want to go back to this passage, Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me. Morning by morning, he awakens my ear to hear as the learned. You see, we need to listen 
for God's voice. We need to listen for God's voice for our own self. But we need to be listening for God's voice to give us a word for somebody else. Now, I watch this all the time with my wife. That in her prayer time, in her devotional time, out of that, she will have a word for somebody. And I'm just giving you her example because it, we need to follow that example. And in our prayer time, we know about people that are going through something. Or maybe somebody will, the Lord will just drop somebody in your heart. You don't even know what's going on, but the Lord will give you a word that you're supposed to share with them. But we need to be sensitive to the Lord. We need to be listening. I like it in this verse that he says, He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear. You know, I think a lot of the time if we just start our day with that time with the Lord and we're sensitive to the Lord and we're praying for other people that God will give us something that can encourage them and help them. So what if you need a word? I remember one time... I needed a word. I'd just gotten kind of hard and was sick and tired of dealing with troublemakers in my youth group. Just sick of the rebels and the smart alecks. So we went to a youth pastor's conference in Portland, Oregon. That's a long ways to go to get a word. But I got a word. One of the speakers talked about how that these rebels and these smart alecks, he said, they're really just sheep without a shepherd. They need somebody to pastor them. And it may not sound like anything to you, but it was exactly what I needed. It changed me. I changed how I looked at those kids. To look at them with compassion and with the eyes of Jesus instead of looking at them with pharisaical eyes and judging them. It changed my heart and it restored me, refreshed me. I was fired up and ready to go when I got home. But here's what I want to say to you about that. I was in the right place at the right time and listening to the right person. And if you need a word... You need to be in the right place at the right time and listening to the right people. You need to get around some positive, upbeat, faith-filled, on-fire Christians. You're probably not going to get a word watching some movie. You're probably not going to get a word hanging out with a bunch of complainers. You need to get around some godly people and hang out with those people. If you really need a word, you need to be in in church. I'll tell you a lot of times when I've gotten a word, it was while I was in church, while I was being ministered to. And it's not always what's being said from the pulpit. Sometimes it is the Holy Spirit just speaks to me. There's something about that atmosphere. But if you need a word, sometimes you need to make a special effort to get a word. I didn't really go to Portland with it in my mind that I was going to get a word. I just knew I needed something. But it was so worth it. And I'm just telling you, if you need a word, you make a special effort to get that word. But, you know, if you're weary, you're tired, you're just struggling, you need to hang around some godly people. There'll be one that'll encourage you. There'll be somebody. You just keep hanging around them. 
It might take a little bit, but I, I'm going to throw this in here now. You reap what you sow. And so you just be an encouragement. You be a blessing to other people. Somebody told me one time, they said, I've been encouraging people and encouraging people and encouraging people. Nobody ever encourages me. I know the word is true. You will reap. Don't get weary. Right? So you just keep encouraging. You keep blessing other people. And I tell you, God will send somebody to encourage you and to give you that word that you need. I want you to stand with me. We're going to pray.